Well, let me ask you a question, friends. Have you, as a business owner, ever thought about hiring, but the thought of onboarding someone and bringing them on and training them was so much and it just made you so stressed out? Or maybe you were so overwhelmed by what you had to pay for to bring this person in, how much it would cost to, to, to you know, onboard an employee into your business. And so you said, you know what, I'm just gonna have them pay for everything. And I'm just gonna make them pay to be trained to work in my business. And you post a question to a Facebook group you're in, maybe your internet friend, maybe you put it in a question box for your favorite internet attorney like me, and you never got a clear answer. This happens a lot, right? So today I am answering the question, what can we as business owners do as we onboard new employees and paying for their training fees and paying for their education fees and paying just to teach them what it means to be an employee in our business and we require them to pay for it. Can we require they pay us back for it if they leave? What's the non-compete on the training that we do for them? Now, I am answering this question and so much more in today's episode. It's actually short and sweet, which you guys always hear me say, and then we LOL because I'm very wordy. It's okay. But this is a very, very granular educational episode. If you are looking to structure bringing on employees correctly, which let's be honest, anytime we're messing around with people and their money and the government, we want to do it correctly. Now, I'm also going to reference a ton in this podcast episode that this is just one little snack size bite of the information that you are going to learn in a masterclass, which I've co-created with my dear friend and brilliant esthetician, Ashley Curtis, which is going to be the Your Hiring Guide Masterclass being released on the Golden Experience Guide Education Platform, June 1st. So if you listen to this episode and you think, holy smokes, this was so much value, I want you to know that this was just part of a conversation that Ashley and I are having during this masterclass. And I think that there are nine or 12 giant module conversation lessons that you are going to be able to learn from. So just know how much value you're going to get as it relates to building your team, finding the perfect people, bringing them on and being a boss leader and business owner. Now, without further ado, we're going to dive into it. And I am just going to give you this huge, huge, huge disclaimer that everything in here is meant to be educational, not legal advice. Please take it with a grain of sand and please, please, please talk to your favorite neighborhood attorney, business attorney, local attorney, anything before making any sort of educational and compensation based decisions. Happy listening, fam. Love you so much. Let's get into it. Happy Friday, fam. Welcome back to another episode of the She vs. World podcast. Today is a solo episode, unless you hear my pup Kona in the background yelling at squirrels. He is my co-pilot and co-host today. Um, He is sitting with me while Pat and Carter are off running some errands and picking lunch up. So I feel like the luckiest girl in the world right now that the hubs is uh, taking care of some things for me today. So I feel very special about that. Today's episode is a very granular topic, and it is really diving into education and training fees as it relates to new employees or current employees or workers in your business, and what we as business owners can and can't do as it relates to non-competes, repayment of training fees, requiring employees to pay the training fees. And it's, like I said, it's a very nuanced, detailed, granular topic, however, I think I've gotten this question almost every day for the past couple months, 
across every industry that I work with, whether you are, you know, in the fitness industry, the wellness industry, you're in the aesthetics industry. I have business owners who are, you know, venture capitalists who are coming to me in the medical field and saying, I want to, you know, how do we deal with this as it relates to our nurses or our doctors? And so clearly this is a conversation that needs to be had. Um, And I just want to give a really quick disclaimer that this is going to be a short episode because I could sum up the entire episode with, well, it depends. (laughs) And so in an effort to not uh, just say that, I want to give you guys some backstory. I want to give you guys some examples, some high level thoughts, but I really want to walk through the entire process of hiring and onboarding and training with you um, as we do this. And so um, in doing that, I just want to remind you that these type of conversations are meant to be educational. They're not meant to be legal advice. Please, please, please speak with a local attorney or expert or speak with me, book some time with me, message me, um, DM me, and let's, let's figure out the correct answer for your unique situation. And then from there, we'll be able to really answer the question as it relates to you, your employees, your training, your business. Um, I'm really excited also about this conversation because it came up so often when my dear friend Ashley Curtis and I were creating your hiring guide for the Golden Experience Guide education platform. Now, Ashley and I have been working on this guide for what feels like Ever, it is a masterclass. It is the comprehensive training manual for growing a business, building a team, managing, being a leader. And um, we keep joking that it's it's like birthing a child. And you know, as someone who did that, I can say it's a lot of work. It's it's almost the same thing. So I'm really excited to bring this guide to life with Ashley next week on June 1st for the launch date. And this topic of education fees, training fees, non-competes, everything about being a leader and being a wanting to mentor our employees came up so often as we were working on the masterclass. It came up so often as we were recording it. And so I also want this episode to just be a little teaser for you, where if you are building a team and there are so many of you out there, I see you, I respect you, I bow down to you. This is a great little snack little amuse-bouche to get you excited about the Your Hiring Guide Masterclass that is coming because this is going to help you really get the wheels spinning and thinking about your business and what you want to do and how you want to show up as a boss and a leader. So um, without further ado, because I promised a short episode, LOLD, are they ever short? No. Um, Let's dive into this. So I'd like to paint a picture for you because I'd like to really help you understand how this topic comes up and where in your business, your life, your onboarding, your hiring, all this, you'll see it. So you're a business owner, maybe you own a Pilates studio, maybe you own a uh, studio focusing on, you know, holistic cosmetics or skincare or whatever your job is. And you realize that it is time for the business just to do more. You're maxed out on what you can do yourself, or you're maxed out on your one-on-one time, or you just recognize the importance of growing. And the, the way that the business truly grows revenue wise is that you bring somebody else in to generate revenue with you and for you, but with you language matters guys. So you are going to start growing your business by bringing on maybe an independent contractor, maybe an employee, et cetera. However, 
what you do in your business is very, very nuanced, right? It's not just nuanced in the fact that it's teaching Pilates or it's giving a facial, or for me, it's writing custom legal agreements. It's nuanced in the way that I and you interact with your clients. It's nuanced in the systems that you have in place in your business, meaning how do you just do things? It's nuanced in your day-to-day processes and experiences that your clients see and feel when they work with you. For an example, you know, to go to my Pilates studio clients, how you run your business is how your clients book with you. It's how they show up to class. It's how your instructors make them feel. Maybe some of you have so much as a signature workout that you always start with the sequence. You always end with the sequence. You always do a stretch. You play certain music. You do certain vibes. You turn the lights down, right? We're cultivating an experience for our clients. And if what I just said went over your head, then we also definitely should talk because Every brand is creating an experience, whether or not you realize it. If you don't realize it, you're probably creating a bad experience, but to give clients that feeling through predictability, through a sequential step-by-step process is massive for your business's success. And so when you decide to grow your team, you really got to know what makes your business special. You've got to know what your special sauce is. And so it's not enough just to say, as you know, me, for example, as an attorney, I need to hire another lawyer to help me draft all of these employee contracts that just keep coming in every single day. It's really important that the person I hire understand what our client onboarding process looks like and intake process looks like. It's important that our, you know, whatever lawyer I hire understands how we write our contracts and the voice of them, how we email back and forth with clients, how available we are to clients. And the same thing applies to your business. And so when you're bringing somebody on, there was really two things that you want to think about as it relates to onboarding. And I promise this is going to now tie us in to the topic at hand. The first thing is you're going to want to train this new worker, whether they're an independent contractor or employee on what it means to, let's take Ashley, for example, what it means to go to Evolve Skin and Wellness and have an Evolve experience, have an ageless facial experience right? So it's teaching them to greet clients at the door. It's teaching them that this is the sequence that we actually perform the services in. It's teaching them that this is how we walk clients out. This is what we say at checkout, right? So there's the training on actual process and experience. And then as most of us know, because we are in very skilled based service providing businesses, it is the actual tactical service itself, If you're a Pilates instructor, it's, do you actually have the Pilates training? Are you an actual attorney to work for Danielle? Are you an esthetician to work with Ashley? Do you have then those extra specialties? So for example, are you certified to do dermaplaning? Are you educated in employment to be writing contracts? Are you certified in Pilates to do, you know, jump board on the reformer? And so there is, like I said, there's the processes and experience side of training a new employee. And then there's the really tactical educational side of training a new employee that they have the inherent and implicit knowledge and skill to do the job at hand. And so when you as an employee are bringing somebody on, sorry, an employer bringing somebody on, I think it's such a big, important consideration that you decide how you want to handle both the experiential systemic training in your business, and then two, the educational tactile training that is required for workers to actually work in your business. So now that we've teed up that backstory, 
And if that was confusing, hit pause, rewind, pause, DM me. Um, Now that we've made that distinction, let's talk about what these questions are that I hear all the time about education and training and what to do. So clearly any sort of education or training for your workers is going to be expensive. And here's the thing. Not everything that's expensive is bad, right? We all love a good Chanel purse and she's expensive, but she is worth it. And so I want you to think about your training of your workers as a Chanel purse. It's expensive, but worth it. And if that's too much, I just want you to think of it as guac, extra, but worth it, right? So you are going to be investing time in training this person. You're going to be investing time in training them as it relates to their onboarding, to teach them to do the right you know, to teach community classes, to to have them do facials, to have them write sample contracts. And in doing that, not only is it your time as the employer and time equals money, it is resources. So maybe it's product on your back bar. Maybe it's, you know, filling a room in the studio for a community class, whatever that may be, the time and the resources that that you put into training is expensive. So we want to do it right. On the other hand, there's also the educational tactile training, which is expensive because it maybe literally is a couple thousand dollars to pay for a training. Maybe it's a couple, whatever, hundreds of dollars to pay for continuing education. And so there's different types of training costs and there's different types of training fees and there's different ways that things cost money and are expensive. So I want to break it down. So first of all, where, where we're kind of going with this, and and this is like our ultimate destination that we're going to reverse engineer is, is the two big questions. Can I require employees to pay for their training? It depends on the training and you've heard me break down what types. And then can I take the training costs out of their wages? Can I attach non-competes to their training? Can I require that employees who I train, but then leave after a certain amount of time or before a certain amount of time, repay me for all that I've invested into them, right? So the real question is, is we understand that training and education is expensive as business owners, even though it's an expense, even though it's a write-off, we get that it costs money. So our real question is, is how much of that money that we're spending can we recover or that can we hold our workers to? Now, We know where we're going and we kind of know the types of training costs that we're facing. And so I want to answer the really, really big one that I think is just, it's the be all end all. And it's really as close to black and white as I'm going to get for you. If a worker is coming into your business and you need to train them to do their job so that they can work for you, then the fee or your time, let's say your time that you are investing, the product that they're using from your back bar, the room that they are doing a community class in, all of that needs to be absorbed or paid for by the business. And that is literally the cost of training a new worker that the business must pay for, must incur. So what happens then if you, for example, bring on a new employee and you spend all this time training them and that they decide that they just want to come and learn from you and leave. This is something that people tell me all the time happens. I don't know if I quite believe it or not, but I'm not going to argue. So my very first thought is, okay, if we know as business owners, we have to pay to train our employees and we have to pay through our time, through our resources, through all of that. And somebody comes to get trained by us and just leaves. What I really encourage you to do is I really encourage you to ask yourself, okay, was this part of their training process? Are they client facing yet? What was it about your interactions with them that they decided after getting trained by you 
that they maybe just felt like they had to leave and go off on their own. And this is where as a health and wellness freak, I would like to present the idea of the root cause. And the root cause of that person leaving after they got trained is not that anything other than actually they wanted to take advantage of learning from you. They had no intention of working with you and you did not spot this red giant flag that was waving high in the sky because you didn't hire from an abundant place. I'm not blaming you. I'm just telling you the reason that people get so upset that somebody got trained and then left is because that person was never intending to work with you in the first place. Okay. I love you so dearly much, everyone listening, but I truly mean that you probably missed the red flags when hiring. And here's why you did not hire purposefully. You did not hire the right person. You hired out of fear. You hired out of panic. You hired because you waited too long. You hired out of desperation. And in doing that, you did not hire thoroughly. You did not ask the right questions. You didn't set the boundaries and the baseline of the relationship you're going to have with this person. Now, it's also entirely possible, listen, people be cray. I get it. Trust me. It might be possible that you did everything right and this still happened. So let's just say you're the exception, not the rule. So what I really want you to back up and do is I'm going to say that in your hiring guide, because this is just one big giant promotion in your hiring guide, we talk a lot about how to actually decide who to hire in your business, what they're going to do. And then even better, you're going to get Ashley's signature, signature interview process of finding the right person. And Ashley's signature interview process is so good that at this point, it's so thorough and it's so detailed and nuanced and thoughtful that if this person is literally only sticking through this just to get trained for free, they're going to get more tired through these interviews and you're going to be able to see through their bullshit. Then they're actually going to make it through. And so really let's pretend you've done everything right. You've thoughtfully planned for your business. You've created the perfect job. You've created a job description. You hired, you went through the four-step process, and now you're working on training this person. The biggest thing to really understand is what is going into training. How much are you giving them? How much of your secret sauce are you giving them? And in giving them your secret sauce, what else are you giving them? Are you giving them client information? I so hope not. Are you giving them proprietary step-by-step formulas? Are you, you know, maybe if you offer your own proprietary products, are you giving them like the, here's the ingredient list and here's how we compound it? Like, I hope not. So your onboarding and training with a new employee should be such that they learn the basics of working for your business. Now, going back to what I said, dividing your training into kind of like the experience versus the tactical, you training your employee on the experience and the systems of working in your business, you as a business owner eat the cost. It's plain and simple. Almost every court in the country is going to say that you have to train your employees to do their job, period. Those fees are never going to be something that you can come back at. So in a real life example, if I own a Pilates studio and I am onboarding a new instructor and I, you know, have them do a couple hours of community classes and I spend some time teaching them how to use my body. And then, you know, we decide that she's good to go to go on the schedule and that she doesn't want to. The time I spent training her is not refundable. I don't get to charge her my hourly rate and say, well, you fucked us and you're going to pay us this much money. Okay. It is literally the price of doing business, which is why I said, instead of looking for fault and blaming this person, we have to look inward and say, why did we not hire better? Okay. So now we know that we can't 
we can't recover an hourly rate of time for that training. The next thing is, okay, what if now I paid for this person's Pilates certification? Oof, that is such a big one. And I think this is one where, especially in the aesthetics industry, I'm seeing a lot of, I'm paying for them to get trained to work with this skincare brand. I'm paying for them to get trained to do micro uh, needling or dermaplaning or fill in the blank modality. And you as a business owner are paying for it. Well, a couple things. One, if you, the business owner, are requiring them to do dermaplaning as part of their job, and if you're requiring them to do something as part of their job, we as business owners have to pay for it. However, you could say, hey, you know, esthetician, I really like you. However, you don't have a dermaplaning certification. Um, I can't require you to dermaplane as part of your service offerings. Obviously, if you do it, you're going to get more clients. So I can't force you to take this training. However, it's entirely voluntary. And if trainings are voluntary for our workers and we as employers voluntarily pay for it to help make them better workers. However, there are also other ways that they could pay for this training, right? Esthetician could go pay for it on herself or esthetician knows she does not have to do it to work there. So if training is entirely voluntary and enriching and supplemental and you as an employer pay for it, and your then employee leaves after X amount of time or lets you pay for it and then just walks away, then you can require that they actually pay you back for it. And the most common way that people do this is that you sign some sort of agreement with your employee or worker. So again, for example, esthetician does not have to take a dermaplaning certification. She knows that it's entirely voluntary. The employer says this is entirely voluntary, but we'll pay for it. But you have to stay for one full year after, otherwise we're going to charge you. And esthetician takes the training, gets certified in dermaplaning and decides after six months, she wants to leave. She has signed an agreement with her employer that she is responsible for paying a pro rata or a percentage proportional amount of the fee based on how much she stayed for that one year. So if she stayed for six months versus one year, she owes half of the training fee back to the business. So that's really the uh, prevailing and overwhelming standard across the country. In almost every state, I know some states are way more worker-friendly than employer-friendly. I'm sorry, way more employer-friendly than worker-friendly and are going to say that employers can hold their workers to just pay back anything. However, I would always err on the side of caution. Now, what that means is, is it's really asking us as employers, what is a voluntary service that people can offer versus what do we strongly want our people to have? If all of our facials include dermaplaning and we don't offer it because we can't do it legally, well, then now it becomes part of that person's job and you're going to have to really rethink it. Um, if it becomes something optional, maybe going back to the Pilates jump board, maybe as an instructor, you just don't teach jump board because you don't have the certification, then that's just a okay. And so what it really comes down to is if the training is voluntary or required, and then the second thing is, is even if the training is technically required, what you can say is it's a supplemental training or it's a foundational training, right? Foundational training is, is like me 
saying that you have to be an attorney to practice law with me versus I want you to receive supplemental education in employment. If I'm going to bring someone on and say, the only way you can work for me as an attorney is if you go to law school, I technically have to pay for law school, right? It sounds absurd, but that's really kind of how the rule goes. So one more time, it really goes back to how voluntary and optional it is for the worker to do it. And if there's a way for them to work with you not doing that service, then if you choose to pay for them, if you choose to offer that really nice benefit, you get to require that they pay you back if they leave. Now, this is the biggest mistake I always see with people is that they do not go so far as then to sign a compensation agreement. If you as the employer, the boss, the business owner and leader do not have a financial contract with someone and you just say, hey, I'm going to pay for your Pilates jump board certification. Hey, I'm going to pay for your journal planning. And then they leave. You don't get to be upset. One more time, shout it out from the tops of the roofs. Legal agreements are everything. They're your best friend. They save your business. So make sure that if you are, as a business owner, are paying for somebody's education, it's stated in the contract so explicitly and clearly if they have to pay you back and how. Okay. This is going to segue to the next question I always get, which is going to be, um, can I take the training fees out of their wages? This goes into the gray area. It depends. Some states are going to allow you to put that in your financial contract that you can deduct that amount owed from their final wages or from their wages and you can amortize it over time. Some states are going to say 100% under no circumstance can you touch employees' wages, can you quote unquote garnish their wages, you have to have a separate payback agreement and they have to pay you back. Now, what if the employee doesn't pay you back? Well, then you can take them to small claims court which is awkward, but if you have a contract and they agree to it and it's legal in your state, guess what? It can happen. So one more time, shout it out for those legal contracts. And one more time, it's a gray area. So you have to know what is legal in your state. And even though I know we are all so friendly on social media, just because somebody in one state is doing something does not mean, please do not think it means that you can do it in your state. Furthermore, some states even have rules and laws that if you put things in that are meant to be unenforceable and you still put it in a contract and you still have someone sign it, you, the contract writer, are at fault, which is why it is always so necessary to work with an attorney who at least is familiar with, if not an expert at what they are talking about when you're drafting these contracts. Can you guys tell I get so fired up about this? Oh my God. Okay. Next question, as it relates to, I've just trained someone, I've just paid for them. Can I put a non-compete, a non-competition clause into their employee contract that says, if you go through, you know, the evolved skin and wellness training, if you go through the Pilates jump board training, you cannot for one year go teach somewhere else or go teach this methodology somewhere else. Now, again, it depends. It's a huge gray area. Non-competes in some states like California and New York are wholly unenforceable and unacceptable, while in other states like Utah or Montana or Florida are totally fine. And so it really depends on where you are in the country that the language that you allow is allowed or acceptable. Now, you can, let's say I live in a state that allows for non-competes. Can I say, hey, Danielle, if I train you in my very special Pilates studio methodology and I teach you how to teach a class the Pilates studio way and I train you to do everything, you cannot go out for one year and teach using my methods. 
Yes, you can 1000%. Non-competes in states that are allowed to have non-competes are valid so long as they are reasonable in both time and scope. So what that means is that if you teach a client a very special way that you do facial injections, if you teach a client a very special, I'm sorry, a, a worker, a very special way in which you do facials, they can sign both a confidentiality, a non-disclosure agreement, and a non-compete that prevents them from going out and using your exact methods. Now, is it going to be hard to prove your methods? Yeah, it's going to be. However, you can still use that non-compete, confidentiality, non-disclosure, and hold it over their heads. We are all so aware if we are in those contracts or not, guys, because I work with so many independent workers who come to me saying, I signed a non-compete. And I go, well, sweetheart, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean sweetheart. That was so condescending. Ah, well, my friend, (laughs) you signed a non-compete. Therefore, you're stuck in it. And I'm so sorry. And also, if you're a worker listening to this, before you sign any sort of job contract, any sort of agreement, any anything, you have to have to read it because you might be literally tethering yourself or screwing yourself, like tethering to an anchor that if you leave, you can't go out and do this for a year or within five miles or, you know, within the same zip code or whatever that may be. So you really want to understand both as an employer that you're making it reasonable and as an employee, what the crap you are signing before you say yes to it. So in some, can I charge training and education fees? If it's experiential and systemic and it's necessary to do your job in someone's business, that is the cost of training somebody. So as business owners, we just have to eat that cost as part of what we do. Even if that person leaves, even if it doesn't work out, regardless of why, if we need to teach them how to be a worker in our business systems, processes, experiences, that is what it is. If we are teaching them how to do something that is additional to that, maybe we can require that they pay for it. If it is something that is completely voluntary, but we as business owners are willing to pay for upfront, we can 100% require that they pay it back. Now, one more time to hammer the point in home. When somebody comes to your business as a quote unquote employer worker, and then just gets trained by you and leaves. I love you so much when I say this, but you hired wrong. So let's help you hire better. Let's help you build a team better. Let's help you do it right. When somebody learns from you, stays for a year, and then takes everything they learned and they go off, instead of being so pissed off that this person did this to you, how about... How about we reframe that conversation and say, I trained this person. They are now going out into the world with my name on them. I built them. I grew them. That is a sense and a point of pride as a business owner. Instead of trying to hold on to these little birdies as tight as we can, how about we recognize that we helped give them wings and help them grow? Let's reframe the conversation of what it means to be a good boss. How about instead you become known as somebody who is so good at training new workers, new Pilates instructors, new estheticians, new attorneys, that new people want to learn from you because you are that darn good. We're reframing the conversation. We are changing the game of what it means to be a business owner, of what it means to build a team these days. We are reframing it. Because instead of living in that scarcity mindset that so many of us do of, oh my God, oh my God, what if they leave? What if they leave? Ah, I'm so screwed. Let me do everything I can to shackle them to my business. 
How about we become known as the best boss ever that helped somebody else grow? They will pay it forward in life. Someone else will fill their shoes and be a great employee employee for you. So short episode. I did it. I think I did it. Okay. That is answering the age old question about training fees, education, what people can pay back, what people owe you, what they don't, but really how do we become a better boss and a leader so that these aren't the questions that we're asking, but we're really asking, how can I give people the best experience working for me and coming to me as possible? Now, if you're listening to this live, the Your Hiring Guide that I've referenced a million times in this episode is coming out on June 1st on the Golden Experience Guide, which I'm going to link in the show notes. It is the comprehensive head, shoulders, knees, and toes masterclass on building your dream business and dream team. And that also includes not just hiring, but firing, offboarding, quiet quitting, people who go off and grow wings and want to support and build their own businesses. It is one of a kind. It is, yes, currently very aesthetics focused. However, we will be adding modules to it over the summer and later this year that are going to make it more fitness focused. That said, if you are a fitness business owner, a wellness business owner, you could 100% take this course, this masterclass and use every single step-by-step module, step-by-step process, financial worksheets, journal prompts, everything to still build your dream business and dream team. And if you are a fitness or wellness professional and you want help maybe making some modifications or maybe getting some specific details, more fitness focused, I am more than happy to complimentary offer any fitness business owner, wellness business owner, that access to me to help you make that translation. So I am so grateful for this opportunity to teach, to connect, and to just be part of this bigger conversation. You guys are all amazing. I love you so much. Have a beautiful Memorial Day weekend. It is the start of summer. Even though in LA, you would think it's the start of winter. We'll find something else to talk about one of these days with the weather, guys. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. I love you all so much. Until next time.